0: Hey, chiropractors, welcome to Modern Chiropractic Mastery with your host, Dr. Kevin Christie, where we discuss the latest in marketing, business, and professional growth with some of the leading experts in the industry. Welcome to another episode of Modern Chiropractic Mastery. This is your host, Dr. Kevin Christie, and today I've got an exciting interview with Dr. Brandon Steele of ChiroUp. We're going to dive into a lot of things about the profession. You know, where's it going? Uh, What are some of the things on the horizon as a profession? And interestingly enough, uh, I recorded this episode before we found out the news. I recorded this introduction afterwards. I I do that after I uh, record the actual interview. And uh, between then and now, uh, we just found out that the University of Pittsburgh has a DC program starting in 2025. I'm sure a lot of you have heard that by now, but maybe not. This is the first time you're hearing it. It's really big news. First public university in the United States for a chiropractic program. Definitely uh, really, really good for a lot of different reasons. And it was exciting to see a lot of the hard work that were put in uh, by people like Dr. Michael Schneider. And I know, um, you know, having the PSP program there was re- from Dr. Murphy, who was on the podcast, was a big step in getting this going. And uh, it's just really cool. I, I recommend reading up into that and some of the details of the program. Uh, looks interesting, looks shorter than than what you and I probably went through. I think it's two and a half years instead of three and a half or three and a third years, I think it might be. And so, uh, yeah, but exciting times and something that's a big step uh, for our profession. And in this interview with Dr. Steele, we, we dive into other aspects of, of the profession and what we're seeing and what he's seeing. He definitely gets a great insight into the profession and he's just a wealth of, of knowledge. And it's always good to have him on the podcast. I think this was the second time, uh, last time was a, maybe a few years ago. And on that note, we're actually pulling up in April will be our seven year anniversary of this podcast every week. And so it's getting harder to remember when I had a guest on, was it two years ago or five years ago, right? Um, just had someone reach out to me who was a guest on like, probably within the first 10 episodes. So this would have been in 2017, say that he got uh, a new client from one of our listeners who must've gone to the back catalog and, and, uh, and did that. So, um, look, look at the back catalog, a lot of good episodes for sure. Uh, speaking of kind of the back catalog too, and on a, on a more somber note, Uh, Someone I got to know from the podcast, and then I had him as our guest presenter in January of 2023, so a little over a year ago in our mastermind group down in Fort Lauderdale. Uh, Dr. Ray Tuck, unfortunately, has uh, passed away. I think some of you had saw that. He's just someone that the term dynamic really, really um, explains who he was, and he was dynamic in many ways, and he was dynamic in life dynamic for the profession, fun to be around, wealth and knowledge, and definitely gone uh, too soon. So my, my condolences to, uh, to his family. Uh, that's a big loss for everybody. And so um, definitely tough to hear the news. And uh, he did a lot more in his shorter life than many do in a full life. All right, without further ado, here is my interview with Dr. Brandon Steele. Before we get to today's show, I'm excited to tell you about a great product that will help your patients find quicker relief and help you get better outcomes. Stop Pain Clinical is a great way to provide a safe, effective pain relief alternative to NSAIDs and opioids while you diagnose and treat the underlying cause. It works on contact to provide fast, long lasting pain relief from sprains, strains, bruises, arthritis, muscle aches, joint and back pain. How does it do that? Stop Pain Clinical has 10% menthol plus MSM and glucosamine. Great for joint pain. It is formulated with penetration enhancers and skin conditioners, so it works fast, feels great, and it is sweat-resistant. And also, the spray is awesome with kinesiology tape, so your athletes will love it. You can just spray that right on before you put the tape. Phenomenal combination. They also have this great new migraine and headache relief topical. I know I've been using it, my wife's been using it, place a little bit of the cream right onto that deep occipital as the base of the skull, really helps give you some relief from that unrelenting headache and migraine, so great for your patients. You can learn more about Stop Pain Clinical at stopain forward slash MCM, and you get a free intro pack of Stop Pain Clinical products. Again, that's stopain forward slash MCM. Great news, too, is Stop Pain Clinical Topical analgesics are available exclusively through chiropractors and other healthcare professionals, so they have another great reason to visit you and tell their friends. All right, Brandon, excited to have you on the show again. I think it's the the second time, and it's always a pleasure to uh, run into you and chat. I think we'll be in Parker, Vegas this year, and so hopefully we'll have a, a drink together. But before we do that, uh, we'll dive into a, a good topic. Every so often, I love having. Uh, chiropractors on here that are um, both in the trenches but also you know really doing a lot for the profession and you get a really good beat of of where things are and so we'll dive into that kind of a an update show a little bit on on where we're heading as a, as a profession but uh, before we do that tell us about yourself personally and professionally
1: thanks for having me on again I think it's been a couple of years and uh in the trenches is where I've been uh, I think that's where a lot of us live kind of the grind of managing uh, a practice and then also a family is, is always fun. And, um, yeah, still working with, uh, with Cairo up, still working on private practice and, uh, not mastering any of them, but, uh, working hard to, to get better each day. Yeah. That's,
0: uh, I had Mark King on about a month ago and I asked him like, at what age did you feel like you really were in the swing of things, you know, he's in his uh, early sixties now, and it was like 45 or 46. And I was like, Oh, well, at least, at least you were, you had to figure it figured out by then. Cause I'm still
1: trying to figure it out.
0: <laughs> but to hear someone like him say, you know, it took about 20 years. It's, it's not wrong.
1: I think that you know, uh, first off, I, I, I love Mark. In fact, um, I, I've told him this many times and him and Brett Winchester going to NPI seminars, but they're the reason I'm still in the profession. So eternally mm-hmm. grateful for, for whatever they're doing. Um, You know, there's there's only a couple people that if they're jumping off a bridge, you wouldn't even see what happened. You just jump off with them uh, because, you know, they're making the right decision and they're two of them. Um, But yeah, I I know what you mean. And I think that one of the biggest turnarounds in my life was when I would walk out of my treatment room and I would not outwardly, but I would actually kind of look like, oh, is there an art chart there? Because the first 15 years, like you're praying there's another chart there that you can you know see the next patient. And then as you start to get busier, you're kind of like, oh, I really could just use a couple of minutes to have a cup of coffee. And I think I hit that point, um, as far as, you know, fortunately building my practice up enough, but then you hit the next point of, man, I'm just sitting here trading time for money. Um, how can I, how can I, uh, pour a little fuel on this and, and scale the practice? So I think I'm at, at that stage. I don't know what stage that's called though.
0: Yeah, that's cool. And how many, like, how are you balancing your time now? How, how many days a week are you in the practice treating patients?
1: Uh, uh, there's, there's no, there's no balance there. Um, I, I yeah. see uh, about 12 hours a day, Monday, Wednesday, and, and seeing patients, yep. um, and then a half day, Friday, mm-hmm. if I could do that five days a week, I really would. I I love that aspect of what I do. Yeah. Um, but just like we were talking about before the show started, uh, I'm getting older. I'm in my forties now. Things are starting to uh you feel it a little bit more. So uh that's a that's a good cadence for me right now. And then the rest of the time is with power up or uh being an Uber for my three kids. Yeah, exactly. So well,
0: we're gonna dive into uh, a few things today, but I wanted to really get your assessment, uh what is going you know, what's going on with the profession, where are we going? It's 2024 a lot of things in the healthcare arena, obviously there's a lot of things with technology and just uh, our interprofessional things that are going on, but what's your assessment of it right now?
1: That's a good question. Uh, I practice with Tim Burrowsman and we have another associate with us. So we're very good at assessing what's going on in our four walls, but that's not what's really happening around, you know, the US and really the world. So we do a lot of surveys, And 2021, I believe we ran our first survey, just trying to figure out what's happening with the modern chiropractic practice. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because the things that I think are true, or maybe we learned in school were true, um, are are not necessarily what's happening now that we're seeing a lot more multidisciplinary practice. We have a couple of hospital systems, uh, that use us. Um, well, I take that back. So how many offices in your opinion, Kevin, Mm -hmm. um, are single offices versus, you know, they have multiple offices, you know, um, are are they usually single or are the most chiropractic practices have multiples?
0: Usually single. And and there definitely are some with multiples, but definitely you're you're seeing mostly single offices.
1: And then how many Mm -hmm. chiropractors are in a single office?
0: Yeah. Unfortunately it's often one. Um, we see a good amount of, uh, partners like husband, wife and, and things of that nature. Um, and then you'll sometimes also see partners that were like, you know, buddies from school, but often it's one. And then if they do things right over time, they get to a practice like how yours is, or typically how mine is, where there's, uh, multiple provide- providers.
1: Yeah. We, we ran that survey that I think there was about 400 responses. So it's not that big, you know, that's yeah. not, you know, maybe indicative of the entire population, but, uh, it was 1.8. So obviously there's not a 0. 0.8 of providers, but between oh, one yeah. and two. Yeah. Um, what's the most expensive software that someone runs in their office? EHR. Yep. Yeah. Uh, what's the most expensive piece of their overhead?
0: If not payroll rent, but probably payroll.
1: Payroll. Um, yeah. and then I actually, I got this one wrong. Um, majority of income is a cash or insurance.
0: Uh, I, I think a lot, and I'm trying to think, cause you probably assessed Cairo up users. Yeah. Yeah, And I, you know, it's interesting because we have so many of our clients are Cairo users and it's just such a symbiotic relationship. And I do, I do a lot of them are are going cash these days. Um, but I wouldn't know the number.
1: I, I would have gone with you. I really would have. I said, well, it was the collections, you know, so part of that mm-hmm. cash is the, you know, the co-insurance copay. Uh, yeah. but most of their income was through insurance. And, and I actually would have sided with you, but yeah, we kind of learned that it's usually one or two providers in one office, you know, people um, really are, you know, their biggest expenses that EMR. And I think the most, the most prevalent comment was, you know, that they are having trouble collecting the money as far as billing and finding people to do those things. So we um, just like we always do, we try to find the problem and then uh, try to fix it. So really trying to find a way to scale people's practice by, Standardizing what they do, finding a way to you can reduce cost of EMRs, but really for myself, trying to find a way to increase the value of that EMR within the office, um, and then finding a way to do you know uh, billing clearinghouses and integrations are kind of what we've focused on for the last couple of years uh, because that's the, the cost of overhead is getting obnoxious. I mean, I think I just saw your email that came out maybe it was today or a couple of days about having virtual employees. Yep, that's mm-hmm. that's big. I mean. Um, you know, what, what kind of trends are you seeing in the office these days besides those things?
0: Yeah, that's a big one. Actually in our mastermind group, we had a, um, specialist come in that would have been November of 2022, uh, on, uh, virtual assistants. And then one of our members didn't, we do these, each one teach ones where in our mastermind uh, members will do a 30 minute presentation on something that's really transformed their practice. And, uh, Vanessa in our mastermind, she had talked about the VAs and she's got like five now. And they've got a really busy practice here in Florida. Uh, They do a good amount of personal injury and other things. But the VA is really, it's it's like kind of going to your point, people's payrolls have gotten so high, they've been able to mitigate that a little bit with virtual assistance and then handle offload some of the things that a person in-house would do, free them up to be able to focus on the patient that's physically there. And so, one of the big trends I'm seeing is is definitely virtual assistance, is a big part of that. Um, we're also seeing that in the front desk, but also not even just the front desk it is a, definitely a, a trend there. Um, I would say another uh, trend that we're that we're seeing is, um, you know, people, and it's it's not a good trend. Um, people are not figuring out what an hourly capacity is for their, for their doctor, right? Like how much revenue can, a, can one doctor bring in in an hour? And that's going to be a time, ta- like you mentioned earlier, time, uh, economy, it's, it's going to be a time for dollars thing. And if you're deciding to spend 30 or 60 minutes with a patient, because we're seeing a lot of that trend, but they're trying to fit it in and pigeonhole it into an old insurance, chiropractic insurance model or a chiropractic cash reimbursement model and they don't, they're not able to make enough money per hour in revenue to then support the overhead that you talked about and, and a team around that. And so I'm trying, I'm trying my best to, to mitigate that part, but it's, it's definitely a problem.
1: Yeah. Uh, I can give you how we do it and I'm not saying mm-hmm. it's right. Uh, we work on points. So I have eight points in an hour. Mm-hmm. Now here's the deal. If I saw a Medicare patient, that's one point pretty easy um if i have someone who's a new patient they're three points uh, if i have someone who's a little bit of a talker they could be two points or three points and that way you can you know i can i can see eight medicare patients an hour because i can automate most of the stuff that i'm not getting paid to do by the minute um mm-hmm. it, but then the other people obviously take a little more points to try to fill those gaps but you're right i've got a guy uh, who first started with us who could see two patients an hour then was complaining you couldn't make enough money i'm like well Let's sit down with uh with some gentle arithmetic and figure this yeah. one out, and uh, but we have to do that. We have to automate the things that we're not getting paid to do.
0: Yeah. Let's take a break from today's episode and announce our first sponsor. This is gonna be Propel Marketing and Design. I've known Darcy Sullivan for years. We've worked hand in hand on my websites. I don't trust anybody else uh, to do this search engine optimization. She does a great job. There's there's so much to it. A lot of, a lot of the lingo and the words are beyond my uh, comprehension, but it's just amazing work that she does. And if you're really gonna get results with Google, you have to make sure your website is SEO optimized. And I really don't want you doing it yourself as a chiropractor. So you, you just have to have this type of stuff done. And if you're looking to get more organic online traffic that pulls in new patients, Propel Marketing and Design is currently offering chiropractors who listen to this podcast a free SEO website review. The free review will help you uncover methods that will improve your website and boost your search engine visibility. Head over to propelyourcompanycom slash chiropractor and schedule your free SEO website review. You won't regret it. She gets great results. Your website needs this. Your search results need this. Head on over there to propelyourcompanycom slash chiropractor to get your free SEO website review. And... It's to your point on that is there's this, um, mindset that it's, that we're in a time based economy as a chiropractor, but we're really in a results based economy yeah. and, 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 but there are some chiropractors that think that you can't get optimal results without the time. Uh, but I've had Brett Winchester on here talk about it and he's, you know, on the, uh, Mount Rushmore of chiropractic at this point, And, and he's figured it out and he talked about clinical efficiency and the ways of doing it, and I really liked his model uh, people can listen to that episode it was like from a, a couple years ago uh, but yeah I, I love your your thoughts on the automation and, and that would be another trend people are looking for the ways they can be more efficient and also cut some of that payroll and just overall overhead costs through through automation
1: yeah absolutely one of the i work for work for i'm a part of the illinois chiropractic society the, the pay is awesome if you're an association work you understand that huge benefits. Um,
0: <laughs> uh, I sense the sarcasm.
1: Yeah. Uh, it's laid pretty thick on that one. Uh, <laughs> and I think it's very important. I think everybody should be part of their state association. I'm not, not, yeah. I'm not uh, disparaging that. However, yeah, the biggest thing that I'll see with a failing practice is they want to treat patients faster. I'm like, gosh, don't do that Evaluate faster, you know, get to the actual problem. And then You know the 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 standard of care for treating the musculoskeletal conditions we see it's laid out you know people want to make it some big you know elaborate scheme to get someone out of plantar fasciitis just look at the research it's simple as long as you have the right diagnosis you're going to get to that um you know that that treatment and the appropriate you know time it takes for that tissue to heal
0: yeah absolutely and and i think that's a, a a key thing and um but i i do believe um one of the trends i'm seeing that's improving is chiropractors are looking for help a little bit more that I think in the evidence-based crowd, there's been a stigma of, um, you know, practice management and coaching or mentors or being an associate for a period of time or self-teaching. I, I know some chiropractors have done a great job of gathering the right resources like, you know, Chiro Up and others and really implementing it. Uh, not everybody's an implementer. Uh, and, and very few can self-teach and implement, but uh, a lot of people are, are starting to realize like, okay, it's not the Mercedes eighties. We're not going to just roll in stem ice and heat and a little adjustment and get 125 bucks from blue cross. Uh, and there's going to be a $10 copay. Like those, those days are gone. Everybody knows that. And so I do think people are trying to find the way to make a professional living. And I think that's that's my ultimate goal for chiropractors we work with is, and, and I stole, stole that term from uh, Len Fay of MPI, old school Len Fay, about, you know, chiropractors should make a, a professional living, uh, right? And I, I think that's what I want chiropractors to do. And it doesn't mean they have to, you know, um, make 500,000 a year. That'd be great. I'd love for everybody to do that, but let's, let's make a professional living. And that could be different if you're in San Francisco or if you're in, you know, South Dakota.
1: Yeah, I, I won't, I won't disagree with that. Um, and I, I, I do believe there's a, a touch of lack of humility sometimes uh, when I talk with other kind of healthcare providers, but definitely with chiropractic that we think what we're doing is right. And I'm not saying what we're, what we're doing is, isn't right. Um, however, you know, anyone can live in their own fairyland if their ego is big enough. Um, but there was a post on social media and whenever posts get a lot of likes, I'll, I'll read it. I'm not a big social media person, but uh, there was someone who posted a picture of a fancy car on uh, you know uh, social media and here's how I did it and everybody just berates him and I'm like I kind of want to learn what this person is doing and it's not that I'm going to do that Um, however we have to sometimes get a little uncomfortable and to figure out what Mm -hmm. other people are doing and then it's up to us to decide whether we're going to do it or not you know one of the things we do in Cairo Up is the person who's getting the best results for any specific condition we interview that provider hey Day Flap, what are you doing? You got the best results for plantar fasciitis. What do you tell your patient? What treatments do you provide? Um, what educational exercises? You know, what do you do for that patient? Mm-hmm. Now, we have evidence on what we say, or the literature says we should do for a patient. And now we have a little bit of a, you know, an ex, uh, evidence-informed decision, mm-hmm. but still my decision on what to do. But the more we can kind of learn what gets the best results, um, it just gives us the more evidence to support what we're doing. And uh, and Kairos are really good at not wanting to like look at the evidence, but when you look at the evidence as far as non surgical, non pharmacological care for MSK issues, it supports us, we should yeah. be the ones reporting the evidence. Uh, so it's an interesting conundrum we have.
0: Yeah, I actually jumped on the soapbox on a intro to us to a podcast a couple weeks ago about that post you're talking about, and I think. I think where that post may have gone wrong was just it. It almost seemed like it, it was all about the flashy money versus and I and I didn't have the time or have the time to to write a comment on it, but I wanted to. So instead, I actually just spent like four minutes on an intro of our podcast to talk about it. And I'd I'd love to get your thoughts on it. this. Was kind of what where I my take on it is is. Um, because someone talked about someone had posted in there that you know we are healers and healers first and it's not about the money and, and things like that and and I and I get it and where mm-hmm. I think the let's call it the poverty mindset which was essentially the 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 gist of that post I think where it it troubles chiropractors it's not about the lambo or the you know three houses or or whatever um it's it's more about um some of these subtle things that the poverty mindset hinders chiropractors and it could be in things like um cuz you mentioned the evidence and 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 all that it's like they underdose their treatment plans because they're putting themselves in the buying decision for that insurance patient that has a deductible cuz it's january it's not december right and mm-hmm. so they're saying well I, yeah I, the evidence would show that for this case i'd need to see them 3 times a week for Three weeks, and then maybe two times a week for a week or or whatever, but I don't feel comfortable with that because Sally's her deductible just renewed, or she's got a forty dollar copay, or they're a cash patient, so they they give different treatment plans based on the finances in a in a negative way, right? We've we all know that a lot of chiropractors have always given treatment plans on based on great insurance reimbursement back in the day, or like oh this patient's got great insurance and a low copay, let's let's come in five days a week for the next four weeks. Uh, But on the other end, they're under treating and the results could suffer. And so if you're going to be a healer and you're really wanting to get the best patient outcomes, you have to be able to put the money outside of the equation of what your clinical recommendations are. And I think a lot of chiropractors are suffering from that. They're not billing for re-exams because of that. They're not billing for maybe extremity manipulations because it adds to it. If Again, if that insurance patient has a, a deductible... Um, You know, I think we're, you know, we're running into those situations, I think on the poverty mindset. And then secondly, um, they're, they're afraid to reinvest money into growth uh, of their professional lives. And, And that can be tricky as well. And so I think those are a couple things. The post could have been a a little bit more around that but i think it was also meant to get people's attention with a picture of a a lamborghini Uh, but what are your thoughts on that uh kind of word vomit i just came out with
1: yeah i I actually had to start typing a little bit because there was a a couple there was a couple points that i want to make in there um and just like yourself i i I have the opportunity and the privilege to to go out and and speak for people and to you know spew out what i think is important Mm -hmm. and one of the things that i'll always say is listen you if you're going to run a business, you have to have a business hand there. If you don't, you're going to go out of business. Mm-hmm. Um, however, you also have the clinical hand uh, to get people out of pain. That's the product you're selling. And as long as your clinical hand is always above your, your business hand, you're going to do just mm-hmm. fine. You're going to sleep well at night. Mm-hmm. Uh, with that being said, that society has a metric of success and it's money it, mm-hmm money doesn't do anything for you. It doesn't, you know, it's not a product, but it it, it, it is a gauge of success. So uh, the only people that are going to get offended by that post are the people who don't have a Lambo and want one. Yeah. Now, the reason I say and want one is because I don't want a Lamborghini. Mm-hmm. That That's what makes that person excited. And he's got us talking about him. So there's yeah. something to do. Um, but it's all on what drives you. So if that drives you and you're upset because you don't have one because you want one, then it's going to make you upset. The last point is uh, that in the absence of clear communication, people make shit up. So in the absence of, you know, clear understanding of how he got that or what he's doing in his practice, how he's billing people, we're always going to assume the worst. And In our profession, we always shoot inside versus, you know, uh, to drive that. And I'm not I don't even know this person. Um, so I, I know nothing uh, about yeah. this person. Now I, I was, I was curious to the psychology of the question and the responses. Mm-hmm. Um, with that being said, I want the same thing that you want. Mm-hmm. I want to see chiropractor as a profession succeed. And I think that we have certain limitations mm-hmm. and the number one limitation. Uh, before I say that, let me ask you a question. Yeah. Um, you had to look at your biggest time suck, which we disagree. Time is what we're trading for, for, for money. What yeah. was your biggest time suck in, in seeing patients?
0: uh you know definitely the notes part that kills me because i enjoy the the inner like i get in no flow state when i'm in with patients it's when i it's kind of like you said earlier um i get excited when a patient cancels now like last minute because like oh shit i got nice i got 10 minutes i'm gonna go get like five notes done and so it's not so bad right so like that's where my life has become with that but when um, I get in the flow state with patient communication and treating patients and like just chatting with them. It's the notes that just, if I, it, it, it it's everybody's nightmare.
1: <laughs> I, I agree. Absolutely. hundred percent. I mean, I think there's gotta be a, and and I look at it as the time to, to do a note, yeah. but that's actually not the time investment. The time investment is that note has to be Clinically, clinically as competent as I am, uh, that it, it has to actually justify what I did. And we did a study in Illinois, and I don't want to put the number out there publicly, mm-hmm. uh, but as far as the percent of chiropractic notes that were compliant, um, it was, it was absolutely, I don't even like repeating the number. It was yeah. so hot and so close to 100% that were not compliant with what we build out for. Mm-hmm. So there's got to be a better way. Uh, I should say that. A better way to take a note, to not sacrifice completeness, to make sure that what we bill for actually is what we did and is documented. And by no means am I inferring that chiropractors don't do those things. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying it's not properly documented. Uh, yeah. There's no one in, in healthcare arena that cares more and does more for our, our patients. The problem is the ability to get that on a piece of paper and submit it for a charge. Yeah.
0: And, and that, is, that is the, the tricky part. Let's take a short break for one of our great sponsors, TrackStat. It is a new type of software plugin for your EHR that combines patient communication, marketing, automation, and statistics with patient and employee tracking. Built by chiropractors for chiropractors, it shows your team what to focus on each day. See patient visit habits, missing information, unpaid bills, insurance collection visit average, and more. Great visibility of data so you can focus on filling your office with your best patients. When you can see what your staff and patients are doing or not doing and take action accordingly, your profits naturally grow. Take TrackStat for a test drive in your office with our free trial. Not a techie? No problem. We can help. To get started on your free trial, visit trackstat.org and watch the demo. That is trackstat.org. You know what? Are what are you guys doing to to try to work on resolving this this issue and and really stay ahead of this uh, trend line for chiropractors and what they're looking to do to automate and and make their life a lot easier?
1: Yeah, we're just gonna plug everything into OpenAI and have it do all of our notes for us. I love right? it. GPT It. Yeah, I mean that's that's the way to go. You know what's interesting about. AI is everyone wants to use AI and it it doesn't work in healthcare. Like we think it's supposed to work mm-hmm. that, uh, we can use it. And a lot of people are using it really just one aspect of AI, more the machine learning part of it. Yeah. But I really believe that chiropractors are going to start to use AI in our daily in really life problems. Yeah. I mean, it works for a lot of things. It's, it's kind of like copper fit. You can just, you can use it anywhere. It's going to solve all your problems. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but, you know, AI is really the, developing those systems that's going to help us with problem solving and learning and reasoning and things that we have to do in our office. But um, there's one major limitation in healthcare is that uh, the data it pulls from. Yeah. So if you were to put, hey, chat GPT, I have a, do a note for a soap note for a 60 year old patient with right-sided rotator cuff syndrome that's had it for six months, it will puke out a pretty cool note. Mm-hmm. It's wrong. But it's a really cool note. Um, So it does lack the contextual understanding. It doesn't know what information to pull from. And it also doesn't know how to lead a patient down what information you really need. Um, Specific to our profession, it really lacks the variability in lexicon or language that we use, which is a a little bit of a problem. And then I think probably the most important part is that uh, when you look at two different chiropractors, you're not comparing you know, apples to oranges, you're comparing, mm-hmm. you know, apples to a fruit salad. We we all kind of do a little something, a little something different in the words we use and the techniques that we do. So th- there's a a big issue with AI right now when it comes to soap notes, mm-hmm. but a lot of stuff that we can do, you know, outside of our note, I mean, what kind of stuff do you use AI for right now, uh, just in clinic and also with, uh, you know, mm-hmm. with, with okay.
0: Yeah, we we use it internally in our uh, MCM our marketing aspect of things. Uh, not a lot, but you know, come up with good subject lines. Uh, you know, get video. We'll we'll take a video and run it through Descript, but then take that with proper prompts. And it's getting better too, which is which is interesting to see. We keep on monitoring that um, internally, uh, but it's uh, yeah, we're we're mostly using
1: it for, for that right now. Yeah, we're, we we do a lot of social media stuff for our providers. And then mm-hmm. also like a lot of, uh, MD newsletters, attorney newsletters, and we use a lot of, of that, um, you know, but getting the right information and, and feed it the right scripts and uh, teach it, you know, how we talk yeah. and, and who the audience is. Uh, but I, for the last two years, I have to be honest with you, that's been kind of the heads down focus of myself. And mm-hmm. uh, we put together a thought process, I guess is the right way to say that, on how to get better data. Because Mm -hmm. what I think is going to happen, going back to your your initial question, is that data is going to save us or it's going to swallow us up. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of people who get kind of queasy about that, Mm -hmm. but it is what it is, whether you like it or not. And we have to have some kind of engine to create our own data. So we started doing intake surveys. In fact, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about that, but the, um, the intake surveys are designed around creating standardized data. Mm-hmm. So how many, you know, how many, if you, if you were to look at 20 chiropractic practices, how many intake forms would they have? Yeah, about 20, you know, and out of that, they're going to have another 700 diagnoses that they, they gave those patients. So it's, a we have to have some kind of way to standardize the collection of data that's coming into a individual provider. So when you go, when you see a patient, uh, they should have a standardized form that actually will learn from the prior question. So mm-hmm. like with ours, there is a, um, a body picker. So you pick that, you know, where that the pain's coming from, but yeah, everybody does that. That's not fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead does it start at the spine and then ha- be contiguous on the leg? Well, if it does that, should you ask questions about this pain, tingling, weakness? Yeah. Well, if you have pain that's going down your leg, should you ask about, um, problems with speech? Mm-hmm. No, but if they have neck pain, headaches, and vertigo, that might be a good idea. Mm-hmm. So we developed a survey system that uh, has been out two years. It's been one year out in our clinic, uh, and in a beta group that actually learns from the past questions on what to ask next, which sounds kind of like a lot, but really within about three minutes, uh, we we've got it down to now we can actually ask automatically the right functional disability index based on your area of complaint. That when you as a provider go to see a patient, you know exactly the OPPQRST. You've already asked the appropriate yellow flags. You've already got the information on disability index, and then there's always qualifying questions. Mm-hmm. But now my subjective part of my system is done. Um, that I can uh, have that 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 complete. Um, and then I was like, well, when do I take a note? Mm -hmm. Um, you take a note while you're seeing a patient or after you see a patient,
0: I take the subjective part during, and, and then I have preceptors. So they, they kind of do some of the objective while I'm going. And then I, afterwards is when I kind of clean things up and sign off on it, charges, put charges in.
1: So 95% of the providers that we, we interviewed, did the note after, you know, that's yeah. when most people are, they want the yeah. subject they get to see that, obviously. Mm-hmm. However, it's interesting that we have an SOAP process. Mm-hmm. However, really, if you have the A, you know what the diagnosis, you've already gone through your triage system, then really it's SAOP. Because mm-hmm. if your assessment is already done, then you should know based on your patterns of what you do for that specific condition, meaning if it's a lumbar spine disc I, you know, that's my primary diagnosis. I, uh, do limosacral thoracic and sacroiliac joint dysfunction. And that's my pattern of how I normally code for it. And then I use these codes for billing. And then also I should also have the objective findings mm-hmm. that should be positive to substantiate that diagnosis along with something that I think is kind of neat, the negative diagnoses, mm-hmm. meaning what was it not, uh, did you rule out the hip, did you rule these things? So we've done it and it's, it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's out and it's running. Um, and it's, it it's, it's something that's, I mean, I'm kind of a geek when it comes to that. Um, <laughs> but I mean, if you come out with lumbar spine disc lesion, it should already know what muscles you're going to attack. It yeah. should already know the orthopedic evaluations, um, and the, the billing pattern and diagnosis pointing. So, um, yeah, that's what, that's what we've been working on.
0: So are you saying that it also helps guide the practitioner on what to ask or do as far as assessments based on that?
1: Yeah. Uh, So that's where the machine learning comes in. So without a proper data set, then you really don't know what to do. But if I took, um, you know, last year, I think we put out 900,000 condition reports. So 900,000 patients saw our condition reports. Well, if we could start to identify a pattern of intake, you know, Mm -hmm. this this type of patient, this persona, this avatar of patient comes in, of uh, age and, and OPPQRST and, and, problems. And then we said, Hey, these providers did this pattern of treatment and they got the mm-hmm. best results. Well, wouldn't you want to see what that is? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't. And I, I also believe researchers would probably want to see that. So can we open mm-hmm. APIs? Then now our researchers who are doing a phenomenal job, uh, your Snyders mm-hmm. and your, your Gertz and your Whedon's, I mean, just are killing it for chiropractors. Yeah. Um, and now create our own data that now that we can, we can actually scale the profession because we know what works and we know that what other chiropractors are doing now that humility comes in, you know, are you willing to switch? Um, (laughs) I I don't know. Um, you know, I, I always relate it back to Korean cars, you know, so uh, if you look at a Korean car, about two years after a German car comes out, they look the same. Like they just they just mimic the functionality yeah, yeah. of other you know cars and want to be like them. And I think chiropractors will do that. I think that if the money's there, I think if the uh, the clinical um, expertise is there, that they'll see the light. And if there's a, a scalable platform that says, okay, if I get this, I should do this. It makes sense for me. It makes sense for the patient. And obviously, mm-hmm. we're getting great data as a profession. Then I, I do think that we will find a way to, to bring, you know, a lot of our profession together. If we can just agree that, Hey, mm-hmm. as far as, you know, MSK care, you know, as, as, far as, you know, non-surgical, non-pharmacological care manipulation is, it, it mm-hmm. is it, research shows it's the best thing for our patients. Um, but the missing link is sometimes, you know, what manual therapy, what exercise, if we can kind mm-hmm. of make it in one package, scalable product, then, uh, then we have something to sell yeah that sounds great so let me let me just make sure i
0: get it uh, correct too so patient comes in they would you know fill out their intake whether it's at home or in the office and based on what they start to fill out it might ask them particular questions um so it the questions will change based on if they said they have nausea and headaches and all that it'll ask questions that would help and then that would go into um into the soap at some point or some entry level there and then the provider sees it And then from there, it also guides them on what they should start to look for or follow up questions or examinations to do, or.
1: The guidance isn't there yet, Uh, but what it does do is that once you have your assessment um, Mm -hmm. with Cairo, we already have the, the evidence-based recommendations for 190 different conditions. So it's going to backfill that with the evidence-based recommendations and then also have the essentially a rules engine both for billing mm-hmm. and also for clinical diagnosis meaning mm-hmm. if you build out for three sections of you know manipulation you know three regions you have to have it in your note we're not going to allow you yeah. to bill out for it unless you put it in your note but it's a click of a button mm-hmm. um, and uh, if you're going to make a diagnosis of whiplash or cervical disc lesion then here yeah. you need to at least have a couple of these tests positive to substantiate that as a diagnosis gotcha. If you're continuing to see someone you need to be asking questions so what's really mm-hmm. cool about the interim surveys is that that's the first visit that was actually the hardest however the subsequent visits don't just ask the same questions over and over again mm-hmm. it goes back to like the oswestry and goes back to last question and say okay since last time you said you were having pain 50 of the time is that better or worse mm-hmm. uh, your problems of walking more than 10 minutes has has that improved so now we can show functional improvement with the patient even though they may say there are five out of 10 every single visit, we can show other forms of objective or in this case, subjective mm-hmm. uh, improvement, which is um, which is pretty cool. Billing wise also integrated billing. So when I'm done with my note and I sign off on it, mm-hmm. it's sent uh, yeah. not not me having to click something. It's automatically sent to a clearinghouse and automatically brought back from the clearinghouse. And that goes back to that overhead piece that we have to make sure that we're, we're able to, you know, treat patients and not have to be training staff all the time. I think staffing is probably our greatest threat to the profession uh, because we don't have high margins like we talked about. So we need to find ways to automate those pieces, you know, to make sure that we're, um, you know, able to stay alive as a profession. But so here's a question for you. Mm -hmm. I told you, and uh, this is not true. I'm just making up a scenario. That mm-hmm. if I told you that um, for your next patient with plantar fasciitis, yeah. that if you use Activator and you mm-hmm. use two specific exercises, a brace that you get from Amazon, and a couple pieces of educational material, and mm-hmm. if I told you that was the best treatment plan that the, gets the best results and you mm-hmm. saw how to do it, would you be willing to switch compared to what you're already doing now?
0: Uh, maybe not with the Activator because I don't have one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it just, it's, you know, it's interesting. Yeah. Like if someone said, you know, if you had a, uh, you know, Ray Tunnel syndrome and mm-hmm. if you sprinkle this pink fairy dust on it, it would get them better. I'd be like, well, I want to buy some pink fairy dust. Now there's gotta be some rationale behind it. I, I get it. Um, yeah. however, it's going to be interesting on what data does for us and mm-hmm. if, to figure out, you know, if we can match that patient intake to the result and actually now have one system that can match clinical results economical results meaning how many yeah. times you see percent better are they um, the coding you know patterns and to take all that into one system and to figure out you know really where do we move forward you know as, mm-hmm. as a profession uh, with one common thread is that we've got to get rid of this evidence base versus straight versus nobody cares mm-hmm. patients don't care uh, as long as you're helping patients, that's what I want to see if you're helping mm-hmm. patients, I want to see what you're doing and, uh, then, then learn from you and figure out where is the place for that kind of treatment and where is the place for, you know, a more orthopedic diagnosis and treatment there's, there's a place for everyone. Uh, but without data, we're not going to make any uh, strides in the future. Mm -hmm. Is my, that's my opinion.
0: Well, this is exciting. We got a, we got an announcement of a, of an EMR coming out and, and a lot of AI and, and machine learning around that, um, I'm sure that's been a lot in, in the, in the making, uh, when, when can we start seeing this, uh, outside of the beta? Um,
1: so here's the deal. So, you know, as you know, uh, well, maybe you don't know, um, uh, the EMR is the most hated piece of software in every chiropractic office. Yes. So it is what it is. It, 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 no, you, the listeners can't hear, but you're smiling. <laughs> yes. And on this, because I hate my EMR too. And I, I have a very good one. Um, I, I actually really like the one that I'm using right now. Mm-hmm. Um, however, with that being said, uh, we had no intention of creating an EMR. We started three years ago. Uh, the cost, you know, the financial cost, the time, the money, um, the headaches, the ignorance, to be honest with you, of a lot of things that go in an EMR. Uh, the amount of consultants we've had, it's been, it's a, I'll say a labor of love, but I'll just say it's, it was more labor than love. Um, this is something that we didn't do because Tim and I wanted to do it. Uh, we did it because our providers asked us to do it. So we guys are doing half it. Why not just put it into a note? Uh, there's obviously more that goes into it. Um, so we're not going to release it to the general public at the very beginning. Uh, mm-hmm. And we're going to do that on purpose. We're only going to let it uh, loose with our subscribers because mm-hmm. they asked for it. So those are the people mm-hmm. we're going to give it to, um, and it, it should be here by the end of quarter two. So mm-hmm. it's already up and running. Everything's already done. Mm-hmm. Uh, with yeah. that being said, um, we have always done right over rush, meaning mm-hmm. I could sell this right now. Um, but I'm not confident it's perfect. 100% of the time now with, with any kind of coding, it's not be perfect hundred percent of the time, but we need 99.9. Um, I, yeah. and I'm not releasing anything that doesn't work, you know, perfect mm-hmm. 99.9% of the time. And, uh, and that's where we are right now. We've got 14 clinics using it right now um, and willing out uh, what they like, what they don't like, and making sure that it it turns into a system for the profession.
0: Awesome, man. Well, congratulations. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to giving that a test run. I know you and I will be in Parker, Vegas together. This will probably drop this episode after that, but we're recording it before it. So let's make sure we connect and, and chat further. Is there anything I didn't ask that you would like to to talk about
1: man um I, I i do have some questions on your coaching group i know you yep. go through a lot in your, your podcast but um i guess i always look at myself and i'm always curious on people that are anti-coaching mm-hmm. because it doesn't matter if you're you're coaching on you know lifestyle or some kind of psychological right. issue or medical issue but man I'm curious on why people don't do more coaching for their profession, considering the time and energy, and well, even in finances that go into doing what we do. What are the major obstacles that people would not want to do yeah. go through coaching?
0: I mean, yeah, it's definitely the preconceived notions from the past. Uh, they they're afraid coaching groups are going to put them in long contracts. Uh, they're afraid they're going to put them in a box and say, you got to do this, this way. So some of those things are, are concerns for sure. And, and coaching groups shouldn't do that. Uh, but then the other one that's out there honestly is, is the, they, um, the money it's not even that, that it's that expensive, but they look at a monthly, uh, you know, $749 or $600. You know, we have different programs, whatever it is. Um, and a, and a can't afford that. And it's, um it's challenging because part of why they can't afford it is because they need help. Right. Yeah. It's like, if they, if they did spend the money, even if it was tight and they did get the help and they did implement it, then they would easily be able to afford it. And so it's a, it's a little bit of a conundrum that they're in is that uh, we often hear like, Oh, I can't afford that right now. And it's, well, you've been at this practice for seven years now. And it, and, and you know, there's obviously a reason why we can't afford it right now. And we want to get around that in the sense of let's help you afford that. And I always tell a story because uh, I've made it public back in 2015, 2016, when I switched from in network provider to out network in our practice and a few other things. Um, we were really struggling from a cash flow standpoint. And I brought on a financial coach to really help out with that. And it cost $1,500 a month. Eight, and it was a one year commitment. And I was like, God, I, I'm losing money every month and I got to spend another $1,500 it was the best $18,000 that year I spent. And I kept doing it after that because um, it, it just rewired my brain in the sense of how to understand business and personal finances. And so I had to spend the money to do it, but it was a good investment. And so uh, the long drawn out answer is, is is a a big barrier is the initial monthly cost of, of it and not affording it, but we're trying to get our clients to easily afford it and other things obviously.
1: Yeah, that's, I mean that's great I, I i see the same thing we i'm always intrigued we have a extremely low churn rate you know people that mm-hmm. discontinue our service less than two percent which you know what we're proud of the people like it and use it but in the same token that's almost always in december and january when people are re-looking yeah. at their finances like yeah. they start cutting out the seeds mm-hmm. for their, their their fields and i'm like yeah Plant more, more seeds. Don't yeah. cut off your expenses. You know, mm-hmm. pour some fuel on that. And and coaching is one of those things that mm-hmm. um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with EO um, Entrepreneur's mm-hmm. Organization.
0: Yep.
1: Um, I've been a part of that for for many years. And uh, getting someone else's perspective on your problems, whether they're in the profession or out of the profession, mm-hmm. uh, it's the value is insurmountable. It, it, it learning from people that have already made the stupid mistakes that we've all made, or learning from people that are doing it right or maybe a little bit different as uh, invaluable, so uh, I hope at some point uh, I'll get the invite to be a part of your group.
0: <laughs> I would love to, have to be part of our mastermind group. We got two great groups there. I'm probably going to have you come ask you to come speak to one in 2025. But
1: I got to be a part of it. Um, huh? yeah, you're you're I think invited. On. I think we're going to have to do that at some point because um, I look at the people you guys have in your group, and those are the kind of people that everybody should be learning from.
0: Yeah, it's it's a great group. It's better than I could have ever imagined, and we're three years into it now, and we've had such a return rate, which has been great as far as the people coming back and, and rejoining. So it's been it's been exciting to see that. So
1: good. well, kudos to you. I've, I've heard nothing but positive things.
0: Thank you. Well, Brandon, I really appreciate your time today. This was this is awesome. Excited to see how all this uh, goes. And I'll be uh, asking you more questions on that. And when it is launched to us, because uh, I am a Cairo up subscriber. So uh, I'm looking forward to that opportunity. Okay.
1: Well, thank you very much. And uh, until next, oh, no, I guess we already saw each other. We, we yes. saw each other at Parker. So it was good <laughs> seeing you again.
0: Yeah, the messed up uh, world of podcasting where you're trying to figure out like, okay, when's this recorded versus released? And when am I seeing you in person? But yes, so it was good seeing you, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> All
1: right, I'll talk to you later, Kevin.
0: I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. And if you want to make the shift from busy, broke, and broken to time-free and cash-confident, or you just want to continue with the exponential growth, check us out at modernchiropracticmarketing.com. Look at the MCM Mastery tab, watch the short video on there, and check out what we are doing now for evidence-informed chiropractors. We are equal parts coaching and marketing done for you. Yes, you shoot some videos, we help you with campaign strategies and ideas and really become a thought leader in your community. You shoot those videos, you send them to us, we produce, edit, and brand them to you. Then we distribute them through all of your channels.